Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's episode of Everyday Truth. We are talking about some really, really good verses today. Not that the rest of the Bible is not good. It's all good. But there are certain verses in the Bible that are familiar to us and are an encouragement to us. And today, we'll talk about some of those verses that maybe you've memorized or you have a plaque on the wall that just reminds you of God's thoughts toward you and His plans for you. And this is a great, great uh, passage for us to consider. Remember, Jeremiah is writing a letter to the captives. Jeremiah is not in captivity. He does spend some time in captivity in some various ways, not in Babylon. But in in this case, he's writing a letter to Babylon, and he's correcting their thinking about some things. For instance, they're thinking they're not going to be there long. They've received some bad information. And Jeremiah says, no, you're going to be there for for a while, 70 years, really. And so don't waste your time. Be productive citizens. Build your houses. uh, Raise your families. And seek the peace of your city. Uh, God can bless you even in that captivity. And, And he did. And now we are in verse number eight, where Jeremiah talks about why they are maybe not why they aren't thinking they're going to be there long. Verse number eight, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners, fortune tellers, that be in the midst of you, deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams, which ye have, which ye caused to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. So, The reason why, one of the reasons why Jeremiah had to send this letter is because they were receiving bad information from false prophets who were there in captivity that were lying to them and claiming to speak for God and saying, hey, just in a short time, we're all going to go back to Jerusalem. This will all be over. Don't worry about it. And obviously that would be a very popular message, kind of like Hananiah's message from last chapter. And people would be predisposed to want to hear that kind of message. I mean, that's good news. And all of us have a bit of confirmation bias when we hear news that is good for us. Like if someone tells me, hey, you know, Kurt, you look good. I'm like, yeah, I really do. (laughs) Because I want to believe that, even though it's probably not true. The point here is that Jeremiah had to debunk some of what they were hearing that was to their detriment because it wasn't God's word. Even though it was positive news, it was really bad news because it was false news. Look at verse number 10, for thus saith the Lord. So God says, let me set the record straight. Here's what people have been saying in my name, but let me represent myself. So God says in verse number 10, thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years, well, that's not tomorrow, that's not soon. So after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word. 
What they're giving you is a bad word. What they're giving you is an unreliable word. But the good word is a true word. So I'm going to perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. So the good word of God is the true word of God. And God's word is, hey, I have decided, I have determined that you will be in captivity 70 years total. So you're not getting out anytime soon. That's why you shouldn't be wasting your time. You should be building houses and planting gardens and raising families and seeking the peace of the city in which you live. Why? Because you are going to be there. I have said that. But you're not going to be here forever. And you are going to go back to Jerusalem. And I will cause that to happen. And I'm good on my word. That's what that means there. I'm good. My word is good. And their word, although you might be more readily inclined to believe it because it's, we're going to leave soon, is not true. So I would rather have the true word that might be not according to my timetable than the false word that might agree with my timetable. Because at the end of the day, what matters is, is it true or not true? And God says, my word is always true. You can bank on it. Now, here's the verse I really wanted to get to, verse number 11. So God says, For I know my thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Now, what a statement that is. For I know my thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. But there's a mouthful just in that one little statement by by the Lord. First of all, God says, I know my thoughts. Well, that sounds almost axiomatic. Of course, God knows his thoughts. But I think the implication is, you don't know my thoughts. So don't speak for me when you don't know what I'm thinking, right? Sometimes we do that as human beings. We speak for somebody else and we don't know entirely what's in their mind or why they're doing the things they're doing. So God is saying here, you know, I know, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm thinking. I like that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where the Bible says, no man knoweth the mind of God, save the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God knows the mind of God. Therefore, if we're going to know the mind of God, we need to be in tune with the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to communicate to us the mind of God, the thoughts of God, right? So only you know what you're thinking. Only I know what I'm thinking. So if you want to know what I'm thinking, I'm going to have to tell you. So only God knows what he's thinking. And if we want to know what God's thinking, God is going to have to tell us. And that's the point here. I know my thoughts. And then he says this, I know my thoughts toward you. I know my thoughts toward you. You know, that's a comforting, comforting statement. Because you know what that means? That means God is thinking about you. So, I mean, God, God who knows everything. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God, who imagined the universe and created it with his own word, that God has thoughts toward me. He's thinking about me. It's always comforting when somebody will say something like, hey, I've been thinking about you. Or you'll get an unexpected note uh, in the mail or an email or uh, a timely text. And someone will say, hey, you've been on my heart. Isn't that encouraging to, to, to know that somewhere in some distant place, somebody was thinking about me? Now, think about it. We get encouraged when somebody thinks about us for just a snippet of time and communicates that. But God, who is eternal 
is saying to a people, I am thinking about you and towards you for your good. Wow, what a comforting statement that is. So he says, I know my thoughts toward you. He says in verse number 11, saith the Lord, and what thoughts are they? They're thoughts of peace. No, I'm not thinking negatively about you. I'm not thinking about innovative ways about how to get you. No, I'm thinking thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. So God says, in my mind, my thought to you is I want your ultimate restoration. I want your ultimate peace. I want your ultimate joy. I want your ultimate victory. I want that. I think of you thoughts of peace, not evil. I have a plan that results in my glory and your good. They're not mutually exclusive. I want to bring you to that expected end. That's a fancy way of saying I want you to realize the hope that you can have, the confidence that you can have that I will in my timetable, he gave them the timetable, 70 years, bring you to the place of restoration, bring you right back to Jerusalem, give you that second chance and bless you in those ways. What a tremendous verse of encouragement. Verse number 12 continues, then at that time of restoration, at that time when I bring you back with Cyrus's decree, remember when Daniel is opening his windows toward Jerusalem, that's the time. And the Bible says in verse number 12, then ye shall call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. You're going to come back to me, to the place of my presence, to this place of a temple, to a place of rebuilding, and you'll pray to me and I'm going to listen to you. Why? Because that work of grace will have been done and their hearts will have been, uh, will be repentant and their minds will be open and receptive to what God has, it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a a victorious day. Verse number 13, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. So what's going to happen is your heart will have changed. Your heart will be bent toward me. And by the way, this happened when Zerubbabel came back with Joshua, the high priest and 42,000 some odd people. And they came back to rebuild the altar of God and set the foundation of the temple. I find that interesting that before they ever built all of the, the, the pomp and circumstance of the temple, they rebuilt the altar. Why? Because the altar was the place of communication. The altar was the place of a connection with God. And if you're coming back to God, the thing you want to rebuild first is your relationship with him. I think it's important to get back to church and start tithing again and get involved in ministry and all the things you did before. I think that's important. But coming back to the Lord is first and foremost a matter of rebuilding that altar, that connection, that time in his word and time alone with him in prayer, building back that relationship. And God says that day's coming when you're going to come back to me with your heart And it's going to be a heartfelt repentance and seek me that way. That's what God's always been concerned about. God's always concerned about the heart and a heartfelt return to him. Not just coming back to him in words or coming back to him in action or coming back to him in schedule. That's important. And those things will inevitably follow a heart that is bent toward God. Verse number 14, and I will be found of you. So it won't just be a seeking for God that's fruitless, 
But God is findable. God is knowable. God is a God that that is accessible. I love that about our Lord. He's not just a, a God way out there that wound the clock up and watches us do our thing, but he's intimately involved in our life, thinking about us and loving us and planning for us and hearing us. And here it says, I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from all the nations. This is a harbinger, not only uh, to them of what would happen in 70 years, even less than 70 at this point, but what would ultimately happen as God has regathered his people to Israel. We think about even the modern state of Israel in 1948 becoming a nation, even the pressures that Israel is suffering today. But God has done a work of regathering, hasn't he? And the Bible says, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. I'm going to bring you right back where you started from. I'm going to restore and renew you. What a promise from God. And that's true of all of us. One day we'll all gather at physical Jerusalem. Those of us that are New Testament saints will return with the Lord to that place and set up that millennial kingdom of Christ. What a great encouragement that is, not just to these captives, but to us captives today, to know that that's the God we serve. He thinks about us. He loves us. He plans for us. He hears us. He has a great future for us. Let that encourage you today. We're going to jump back into verse number 15 tomorrow. So I hope you'll join us for that. Until then, have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.